Good morning, family. How's everybody doing? Okay. There's two people that are doing well. There is. I know we've had a wonderful deep time of worship, and uh, praise the Lord for that. Just before I get to share the word with you, just to, uh, just to make two comments and just pray a prayer quickly. Uh, for most of you that knows parents and things, the school started this week. How many of you are deeply thankful and very glad? And uh, couldn't wait. You were like sleeping at the school the night before to take your children there already. And uh, it's a wonderful uh, privilege that we have that we can do education in, in such great settings. And I'd like to just take a time and, and offer a word of prayer, particularly for the, the parents of, uh, and the kiddies that are going to grade one, that's starting a whole new schooling career, the grade eights that are going to high school. I'm thinking of the matrix also. Uh, we've got one in our house that it's a big, important year. Also thinking of first-year students that have finished school and are now starting to study, and um, I'd like to just pray a prayer for them, but I would also like to take a moment and pray for all the educators and people that are involved in education and that are serving and worshiping the Lord through that vehicle that the Lord has given them. So if you are, can I ask you if you're an educator or if you work at a school, if you're involved with education, tutoring, anything like that, won't you stand quickly? I want to pray with you, and then I know our prayer is being taken to the different venues where the, the little ones are and the reverbs where the grade eights are. And if you're a, a first-year varsity student and you're here with us today, will you also stand and let's, uh, let's lay hands on them and just won't you pray for them. And then I'm also pray, thinking of parents of these ones that are going to school. So let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for the fantastic opportunities that we have. Thank you for education. Thank you for the education in our nation. Lord, we want to pray, first of all, for every household, Father, every little one that is going to grade one, we pray that you would be with them, that the start of their school journey, Lord, they would experience your grace with them. Every child is different. They learn in different ways. Some find it easier than others, but I pray that for every one of them, they will know that you have purposes and plans for them. We think of the grade eights that are going to high school, that that transition, we pray that you would help them to find their space and their, 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 their place in high school quickly. Think of the matrix, Lord. We pray particularly for them that this will not be a pressurized, stress-filled year, but a year of experiencing you with them. For the first years, Lord, those that are starting tertiary education, we pray for your provision, for, for finances to be able to pay for their studies, Lord. We pray that in this nation a miracle will happen, that education, quality education will become more and more accessible to more and more people, Lord. And we just pray for every one of these families represented. We pray that you would be with them, that you, they would experience your grace. And then we thank you for educators, Lord. People who have responded to the call to disciple and to lead and to guide and to love people through education and to worship you in this vocation. And we pray for your blessing upon them this year, that they would experience your anointing upon their lives, that they would experience you go before them. And that every day in the classroom or in, 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 in their office or wherever they are, Lord, that they would experience your favor upon their lives. And we thank you for it, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You're welcome to take your seat. While, we, we are, while we're on these matters, I also just want to commend our own school here, which again in 2019 had a wonderful year and uh, produced, produced great results, 100% pass rate, but more important, 100%... Um, 100% bachelor degree entrance for their pupils. It was fantastic. So we, we celebrate them. We're so, we're so proud of them. And uh, we, we pray that this year will be a, a good year again, you know, because our school is not just about 
teaching young people quality education and really quality education, but also discipling them and teaching them the ways of Jesus and preparing the leaders for nations that will be able to lead in nations. And we're so proud of what they do. Debbie and Graham and their staff and everybody, we love you and it is an honor to serve the Lord with you. Then I want to go over to the word that I'd like to share this morning. We're busy with a little mini-series for last week, this week, and next week on more of God in 2020, just positioning our hearts towards this year. And uh, I'm particularly talking about our worship life and how do we love the Lord through worship. And uh, last week I started and I spoke from John 4, so if you didn't get to see last week's message, I'd encourage you, go on our YouTube or any of our, of our multimedia platform, our social media platforms and uh, get hold of the message. You can listen to it, you can watch it. And by the way, I just want to say welcome to all the people that are joining us on other platforms that are not in the building here with us. We have a growing audience of people that are from all over the world that partake in our services. I'm thinking of the Hennig family in Germany this morning. Welcome to you. It's so great. I said I'll give them a shout out. I think of the beautiful family I met from Zimbabwe that watched the services, from people from Iraq, people from all over the world. And it's fantastic to have you join with us, and you are so welcome to be part of our community in this way also. Um, Today I want to talk about a message that I've entitled, The Greatest Worship. The Greatest Worship. Now, I don't know if you've seen these things. Natasha loves when she's working in the house or studying or just, you know, working at, at at a desk. She often goes onto YouTube and she'll find these, like, playlists, worship playlists. And then she just allows them to play and uh, she just so, you know, listens to the worship while she's working or partakes in the worship. And I don't know if you've done that where you've typed in worship, like looking for worship playlists. And then sometimes it'll pop up and it'll give you these things. It'll say, the greatest worship of 2019, the greatest worship songs of 2019, or the hundred greatest worship songs of the decade, or the, 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 the five greatest worship songs, and, and uh, you, you see these things all the time. Right now, I can tell you, for instance, that according to CCLI, which is the Christian what is Copyright License International, which we all subscribe to as churches. When you use songs, you have to actually let them know that you use these songs and there's royalties and everything. But according to them, right now in South Africa, the greatest worship song is uh, What a Beautiful Name. It is the song that is the most used in churches across our country right now. Internationally, the greatest song that is being sung Right now, that's the greatest worship song, as they put it, is the uh, Waymaker by Leland. It's a song that is the most sung. So, you know, it's fantastic that we have these things. And I, I'm, I celebrate it. I'm so thankful that we have, live in a day and age that through technology and, you know, the global village, we can connect to what God is doing in other parts of the world. And, and there's songs that we all seem to be singing, or many of us seem to be singing across the world together. I don't think in 2019 you could go to a church on a Sunday and, and not have a good likelihood that they were going to sing Raise a Hallelujah, which is, by the way, the third most greatest worship song at the moment, according to the CCLI list. It's fantastic, isn't it? That we get to partake and enjoy these amazing things that God is songwriters and, and the quality of musicians, and, and it's, it's great. I had the privilege of a couple of years ago actually meeting Leland and being in a meeting where he was had a cup of coffee with other people with him. He will never say he met me because he would not remember me, but I met Leland. And uh, I was in a time of worship where he actually led. I, I don't think we sang Waymaker. It was a couple of years ago, so I, I don't know. But, you know, it was great. It was fantastic to have him 
lead worship and to be in that space and to meet Him and to sing those songs and to experience that. But what makes for the greatest worship? Did I that night have the greatest worship? Because I had one of the greatest worship leaders according to downloads, sales, statistics, sing one of some of the greatest songs, did I now experience the greatest worship? What makes for the greatest worship? I mean, I've said it from time to time, and I'm sure you've said it. That was the greatest worship I've ever had. And then we, we talk about, you know, service like this. What, what do we mean when we say that? What does that mean? When do I know that I'm having the greatest worship? Now, fortunately, the Scripture tells us and gives us some instruction and parameters about worship and to understand what are we looking for? What are we basing our worship on? What is worship? Last week I spoke about John 4. Today I want to go to Romans 12, which was already quoted in the service. And it's a place where Paul, the apostle, teaches us about worship. And he gives us some of these parameters, some of these foundations of worship. And, and the reason I want to speak about these things, because I believe it's so valuable and so wonderful that as, as believers today, that we can make sure that our worship is built on the right foundations. That we know what it's about and we know what we're looking for and we know how to experience the Lord in our worship life. And I want to be quick and I'll say it again later before some of you think I only talk about worship in the context of a service. Listen to last week's message and you'll know that's not what I believe and think. When I talk worship, I'm talking about this experience, but I'm also talking about every single day's worship. And, and I'll say something more about that. But how do we have the greatest worship? Particularly if I think of our context here, our nation, so diverse, this congregation, so diverse. So many of us come from such many different backgrounds. Perhaps you come from a different church background or different church tradition before you ended up here at Hatfield. Some of you, this may be your first church experience and you're still trying to figure out what's going on. You know, why are we having karaoke every Sunday at church? You know, words on the screens and we're singing along and you know, what is all of this? We, we've all got different experiences. And this community is so diverse. I, I mean, I come from a background where, where singing in church was quiet. Nobody got excited. If you got excited, they'd carry you out. If you raised your hand, they were going to chop it off. I mean, the songs we sang had to be out of the, out of the Bible. And then a couple of songs that had been sung for hundreds of years that were sort of okay, that weren't Bible songs. You know, and we had one organ. There was no drums. There was no nothing. Some of you come from some other backgrounds. How many of you come out of what we would sometimes call township church experience? Hey? That's different to what happens here on a Sunday. I've had the privilege in my life to worship in many different parts of the world with brother, fellows, brothers and sisters in places like Burundi, in places like the UK, and experience all of that. But some of the richest, most wonderful memories I have is for a period of time, a couple of months, I was part of a church in Mamalodi. This is the early 90s. I would have to go on Sunday and, be, and drive out to Mamalodi and go and attend a service that was in Sutu and translated to in Zulu. I don't speak either very well. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved the experience of my fellow brothers and sisters. A very different context. I loved the, the preaching, just watching the, the interrupter or interpreter, as they actually should be called. The interpreter that would interpret. And you know, the interpreters in those churches, when the, when the pastor sneezes, the interpreter sneezes. 
No, we're Maddie. But Maddie knows what I'm talking about. You know, when the, when, the, when the pastor scratches his ear, the interpreter scratches his, his ear. It was, I mean, I loved it. I didn't know what they were saying half of the time. I particularly loved the Zulu translation because he would go, Pagati, all the time. And that just, I felt stirred, man. I felt stirred whenever the interpreter said, Pagati. I was like, yes. Later, I learned that meant something of my inside. And I was like, yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, it's very different. They don't sing Leland songs normally. Can, can I sing you a song? Oh, yeah, here we go. I promised you I'd never do this, but I'm going to go back on my promise. <laughs> I've, 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 I've worked hard with Mika over this week. No, I haven't, so don't blame her for this. But how many of you know this song that comes from, so please join me if you know the song so that I can keep quiet and you can carry on singing it. Otherwise, the ears are going to bleed. But how many of you know this? You are the rose of Sharon, the fairest of them all. You are everything my heart desires. You are fairer, much fairer than the lily that grows by the wayside. You are precious, more precious than gold. Amen. Can I tell you that was the first time I've ever done that? So that was the first time. So you were there the day that it happened, because it will never happen again. <laughs> but how many of you in the church here this morning, you, I don't know that song, My Sweet Jesus. You don't know that song, because it's not our tradition. But right now, I promise you, in our city, there's people singing that song. Are they having the greatest worship, or are we having the greatest worship? How do you define the greatest worship? Now, fortunately, Paul really gives us some good information. Romans 12, verse 1. Next week I'll speak about verse 2, but I'll read both of them. But I'm going to focus on verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul writes. Now, if you've spent any amount of time in the, Paul's writings, you know Paul's writings is dense. By dense, I don't mean thick, dumb. I mean dense as in he uses every word as meaning and purpose. So Paul has to be read slowly. I've had to learn over the time that you read Paul slowly. You pay attention to the words. So that's what I'm going to do a little bit this morning. Just pay attention to some of the words that Paul carefully chose in this sentence of verse 1. He didn't just try and make a point. He carefully chose specific words because they have specific meaning. And our challenge in English is so often the Greek is so much richer and it covers a, a wider spectrum of a concept that our language struggles. And therefore you'll find sometimes that in between our Bible translations like we'll see this morning, they use different words because they're trying to grasp the Greek which is broader than the English. So let's pay attention to some of the words Paul uses here. The first word that I want to just pause for for the moment is the word therefore. Now, I'm sure you've heard enough to know that when, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you've got to ask what it's therefore. Can I say that again? Whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you've got to learn to ask what it's therefore. When you start a sentence, when Paul starts a sentence or the Bible writer says therefore, it's, it means that word is there for a particular reason. 
Normally the word therefore means there's an argument that went before it. Romans can be divided into two sections, Romans 1 to 11 and then 12 to the end of Romans. Romans 1 to 11 is Paul's theology, is where he describes to us what we have received in Christ, what Jesus has done for us through the cross. It is our salvation, our redemption, and how that all works, how the law was taken care of, and how we live life in the Spirit. He does all of that from Romans 1 to 11. And then he stops, and in Romans 12, he begins with, now what do you do because of this? How do you respond to Romans 1 to 11? And therefore he says, therefore, therefore, everything that I've told you in Romans 1 to 11, Now this is how you respond. So if everything that God has done for you is true in your life, what is the appropriate response? And that's what he lays out for us. How do we worship the Lord in the light of what he has done for us? He says, therefore, present in the the light of the mercies of God. This is not something we can do on our own strength. We need the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't possible for us to respond to God in the right way. But now, because of the mercies of God that has been poured out upon us, we can respond. And then he he says this word, present your bodies. I want to stop with the word present. It's a very powerful word. The word present. He chooses a word that we perhaps don't always associate with worship or think of. You see, we often think of worship, and the Scripture talks about worship, and the Old Testament picture of worship is the word sacrifice. Bring your sacrifice to the Lord. Surrender to the Lord. This word is not that. He chooses a different word that is a far more active word than the word to surrender or to sacrifice or to present a sacrifice to the Lord. He he, he says, bring it's, it's this picture. Recently, we all had Christmas. And if you have the give, habit in your family of, of doing gifts, exchanging of gifts or giving gifts, how many of you, when you got the gift, you bought it, you wrapped it up, there was an excitement in your heart? You were looking forward, not only to receiving gifts, but to actually giving this gift to somebody. And so you wrapped it up. And how many of you have in your house, when it comes to the Christmas time of gift giving, a special place where all the gifts get put? You, you sort of put it there so that people can see. And it's, it's like, wow, there's a gift. What you don't do with a gift, a Christmas gift or any other gift, is say to somebody, I bought you a gift and I can't remember where I put it. It's somewhere. Just, you know, if you want it, just look for it, you'll find it. How many of you know if somebody does that, their heart and soul is not really in the gift? But when our heart and soul is in a gift, we present it to somebody. I mean, we've all bought a gift for somebody. I'm not great at gift giving, but, but you know, there's been moments in my life where I've bought Natasha a gift or, or the children, we bought them a gift or something, and I'm so excited about the gift. I can't wait till they open the gift. I'm like, you know, can't their birthday come earlier? I'm not going to want to wake them up at the middle of the night to give them the gift, you know, so that I'm so excited. And it's, it's just terrible when you're so excited about giving them the gift and they open it and they go, that's nice. <laughs> Have you ever had that moment where you thought, oh man, I spent money and I was so excited and they don't even like it. But you know, when we go buy a great gift for somebody, we want to present it to them. We are excited. We've got energy. And that's the word Paul uses here. He says, when you come to worship God, present your worship to Him. Bring it to Him with joy, with excitement, with passion, with life. 
Don't say to the Lord, ach, Lord, you know, I've come to worship you, and if you want it, it's there. He doesn't, that's not what it is. I know sacrifice is an important part of worship, but our sacrifice has to be done with that front foot energy of, yeah, Lord, this is my worship. I want to give it to you. I'm excited about giving it to you, Lord. You see, because otherwise we, we, we can become a little bit funny with our worship. I, I've even seen in my Christian walk how people sort of are upset with God, so they withhold worship from God. Have you ever seen people do that? Where they'll say, ah, you know, the, the thing didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. So now I'm not going to worship the Lord. If you do that, you just don't have a revelation of who God is. Remember we said it last week, worship is a response to a revelation of who God is. Then you just don't know enough about who God is. If you, need the, if you and I need the perfect conditions to be able to give our worship to God, and if it's not quite perfect, then we can't do it, then we're also missing the point. There, there must be an excitement and a joy in our heart that no matter what, we're going to give our worship to the Lord. We're going to offer up our worship to Him. I mean, it's fantastic that you and I get to be in a, such an amazing building this morning that's got, you know, air-conditioned climate control things, that's got nice soft chairs that you sit on, nice neat rows, there's enough parking outside. I mean, this is easy. You, you know? So imagine you come here this morning and you like, you walk in and, and you sort of go and you say, oh, you know, the building's a bit warmer than what I like it. Achania, so-and-so is leading worship. I, I don't know. Ach, and they're singing that song that I don't really like. It's not my favorite song. Ach, I'll just be here. I'm not going to worship today. Oh, it's carrying on a bit longer than what I like it. I, I, you know, I'm just going to worship. Oh, there's a spelling mistake on the... <laughs> I can't worship. There's a spelling mistake. Now, we try very hard not to have spelling mistakes, but, you know, how many things has to line up so that we can worship the Lord? Or is there an excitement and a joy in my heart that is way, cannot wait to present my worship to the Lord? It doesn't matter how and where things are, and I'm not talking about just on a Sunday. Does everything at work need to be perfect tomorrow before you can present your sacrifice of worship? Or can your work be worship, even if everything is against it? I mean, there's people all over this world today worshiping the Lord, and they do not have what we have. Again, just drive 10 minutes away from here, five minutes away from here, and there's people worshiping under the tree in the dust, giving their hearts to Jesus. If you've never, ever been in a township church, or a squatter camp church, an informal settlement church particularly, because you get some really nice churches, buildings and facilities in townships. But if you've never been to a, a, a tin roof, tent, with no, you know, sometimes it's when they're really nice, it's when they put carpet on the dust. Somebody's second-hand carpet. And it's, it's cramped and it's hot. If you've never worshipped, with brothers and sisters in a setting like that. Can I encourage you? I give you permission. Take a Sunday off from here and drive out and go and worship 
with brothers and sisters in those conditions. It will just enrich and enlarge our worship. Or perhaps even a, a, a church that worships not like we do, that, that is more contemplative. You see, because our worship, we've got to be careful. It, worship is one of those things that can so quickly become consumeristic. That we need it to work for us, otherwise we can't worship. And then we turn it to something that is about me and not about the Lord. But you see, if I come, like the scripture says, come prepared, each one with a song, with a hymn, with a word of encouragement, come ready to present. Now, we can't as a large body like this, a couple of thousand people, have each of you sing your song that you want to sing to the Lord. So that's not what he's talking about. That wasn't even practical in their days. What they're talking about is a heart attitude that says, I come ready to worship, and I dare you to stop me from worshiping. Not... I dare you to make me worship. <laughs> then we miss the point, don't we? Because worship is a response to who God is. It's not a response to who the worship leader is or to who the pastor is or to who the songwriter is. It's a worship is a response to who God is. And that must be first and foremost in our heart. We thank God for the amazing worship leaders and songs and everything we have, but those are secondary. They're not firstly, primary. Present. Your bodies. Great word that Paul uses here. He speaks this in the context of the Old Testament picture of worship. Where in the Old Testament picture of worship, worship was not your body, but something else's body that was given to worship God. It was normally the body of a goat or a sheep or a dove or, or something that was killed and sacrificed and brought to God and said, Lord, here I give you this as worship. Now he says in the New Testament, we don't give other bodies, we give our bodies. God is not interested in your gifts firstly, he's interested in you. Didn't Jesus, when they came to him and said, Lord, must we pay taxes? He said, give me a coin. And they gave him a coin. He said, whose image is on it? They said, Caesar's. He said, well, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. He left the thought dangling there for us to interpret because the, the, the thought he was leaving is, whose image are you made in? So who do you give yourself to? You see, it's right that we give our money, we pay tithes, we, we give our offerings, we, we give our resources, we give our time, we give our energy to God in worship. But can I tell you, no amount of money you give will ever compensate for what God really wants, which is your heart, which is me, my being I give to God in worship. When I give my hundred rand to the Lord, it's an expression of my total being. And that's what the word body means in this context, is give your total being to God. Your mind, your emotions, your thoughts, your intentions, your attitudes, your actions, give it all to the Lord in worship. That's what He wants. That is what He's looking for. If you can use a great song to do it through, fantastic, but the great song is not what it's about. The great song is just the structure. It's the ladder you climb on, but it's you that have to be presented to the Lord. So again, tomorrow when you're at work, well, how are you presenting your living body to the Lord? Our bodies. Then he, he describes the kind of body we should be giving to the Lord. He says the body we give to the Lord should be living, holy, and pleasing unto the Lord. Three descriptors of what this body should look like that we offer up to the Lord. This, it's living. Again, in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were dead. They were killed. God says, I'm not interested in your dead sacrifices. Don't give me something that used to live. Give me something that is living. 
And that something that's living is me. I am a living sacrifice. Every moment, every breath, every day, I am worship unto the Lord. The Lord doesn't say we must die for Him. He says we must live for Him. If in our living for Him, we die for Him, that's part of the deal. But aren't you glad we don't have a slaughterhouse here next to the church where you had to come and bring goats and sheep and things so that we can offer it up to the Lord. And if you don't have goat and sheep, then we'll cut a finger off and that, that'll cover the cost. No, we don't do that. We come and we give our living sacrifice every day, every moment, every breath. Lord, this is me living with you. Holy, set apart for God, not shared with something else, not mixed, not, not the leftovers, not the little bit that I have at the end of the day. It's great that you start the day with prayer and end the day with prayer. But can I tell you, I want them in between bits also to be given to the Lord. And it may not be in prayer as in, you know, sitting still and praying. But my whole life is worship to the Lord. I am a set apart for Him. Do you recognize that your life is set apart for God? You don't live an ordinary life. You don't just live a life. You live a life set apart for Him. He looks upon your life. He enjoys your life. Your life has value and meaning to Him because it is worship to Him, or it can be worship to Him, at least. It's holy. It's holy. My being is holy. My whole being, my, my mind, I need to give to the Lord in holiness. And that's challenging. My actions, my attitudes, my feelings, even my very body, this physical structure that I have, I worship the Lord with it. Do you know that this body Touch your own body for a moment, won't you? Just, just touch it. Do you know that that body was given to you by God? That's a gift from God. Now, you may not like it. You may not be in agreement with all parts of it. You may have added to it things that, you know, God wasn't in the original plan. You know, your body may have become a bit more than what it should have been. But your body was given to you by God. And your body should be given to Him as sacrifice of worship. Just the fact that you're a male or a female was given to you by God. Now, I know I'm going to quickly duck my way through this. You may not like the specific gender assignment that God gave you in the body. And I understand the complications and I have great compassion for things. But can I say this? Just give your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice. This is the body you gave me, Lord, and I worship you with it. Before we start fighting with our bodies and being angry with our bodies in whatever way, shape, and form that is, let's recognize that it's a gift from God. I didn't, I didn't deserve it. I have no rights to it. It was given to me. What an amazing thing. I worship the Lord. When I worship Him as a living sacrifice in holiness, it is pleasing unto Him. God's not difficult to please because Jesus did it for us already. 
through the sacrifice of Christ, we are, he has pleased the Father. When I step into that sacrifice and when I appropriate that to me, I can please the Father. But that becomes the, the joy of my life is to think that I can please God. I can live a life. God is not, you know, angry, daring you to please Him. He loves us. But all the more we can do our lives as worship, that brings pleasure to Him. Because it's the original purpose. Then the last word that I want to quickly spend time with here is in, in verse 1, he ends, he says, For this is your proper, spiritual, reasonable, different words that gets different translations put in their worship. Now, this is a word that is only used, logicon, which is only used twice in the New Testament. It's a bit of a funny word in that its, it's true meaning is more than what we can capture in one English word. That's why in different translations, you'll have different words that they use. Some will say true and proper. Some will say correct. Some will say reasonable. Some will say spiritual. And it's not that any of those words are the right word. It's probably that all of them together is the right word. In its essence, this word is where we get the English word logic from. That's why some translations tr tr translate it as this is your reasonable worship. Because worship is reasonable. It is the most reasonable thing you can do is to worship God. This is how the argument goes. If you see who God is, remember worship is a response to a revelation of who God is. If you get a glimpse, not a full understanding, just a glimpse, just as, as beholding through a shaded glass, a, 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 an opaque picture, just a sense, just a whiff of who God is, and you start seeing His greatness, His beauty, His awesomeness, and then you start understanding from that what He's done for you, how much He loves you, how He pursued you, how He gave His Son for you, how He would not let you go, how He would be with you every day, every moment loving you, how He wants to give you life and life in abundance. If you stand, understand all of that, if you begin to grasp that, the only logical, reasonable thing to do is to worship Him. It is a very logical thing to do. Now, many people in this world says they don't understand how we can love God and worship Him. They just haven't had the revelation of who He is. And, and it's interesting. Can I just make this little note? Worship is not firstly an emotional experience. It's firstly a reasonable experience. And again there, we must be careful that worship, we don't just seek in worship emotions. I'm grateful. Man, I'm deeply grateful that I worship God with my emotions. But my emotions follow the revelation. I don't come with my emotions only. Because sometimes nowadays it feels like it's easy for us to judge times of worship by how we felt about it. And I'm glad that worship stirs my emotions. It must. Some of the deepest emotional stirrings I've had, and I, I mean this, is in times of worship. But that's not the, the, the beginning point of my worship, and it's not even the end point of my worship. It's part of my worship. But worship begins with this revelation, this understanding, which begins as a... As a a realization that my heart grabs hold of, that changes my whole being. God loves me. He is good. He is beautiful. He is powerful. And then I respond, and my true and proper worship is to give my whole life to Him, my every day. 
I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God and offering, embracing what God, is, what God does for you is the best thing what, that you can do for Him. Your sleeping, eating, everyday life. So the greatest worship is responding to God. It's knowing Him and responding to Him. And that response can come in many different forms. That response comes in a form where in our tradition, in our community, we sing together certain songs. And we sing songs that are old songs. We sing songs that are new songs. We sing songs that come from America. We sing songs that come from Africa. We sing different songs. Our greatest worship is not, first of all, made by the song choice. It's made by the desire that we have to present our hearts to the Lord. And then we draw on these different instruments, and we have fantastic musicians. I mean, we are absolutely thoroughly blessed that we don't have just fantastic musicians, but people that know the the, the theology and understanding of worship, that come and serve us and help us and facilitate us to worship. They don't worship on our behalf. They help us worship. That's why it's like this morning you would have heard in the worship there was time when the worship team will actually draw back and stop singing. Why? Because they want your singing to be heard. Because it's about your singing. It's about your worship. But not, this is one instrument that I have, that I'm so thankful for, that I can come on a Sunday and bring my, my week's things that, I, that I've experienced in this week, and all my worship from the week I bring with me. And can I tell you, all my failures from worship in the week I bring with me. And I bring it here to the Lord as my living sacrifices. And as I do that, there's an energizing and a life that happens within me. And the Lord gears me for the next week to come. So that tomorrow at 11.04, I can be worshiping the Lord. I I don't know, what what will you be doing at 11.04 tomorrow morning? Who of you will be designing something? Who of you will be typing? Who of you will be speaking? Who of you will be having a cup of coffee or, or whatever you will be doing? Who of you will be selling something? Who of you will be on the road? How is that possible that that can be worship? Can I ask my two assistants, Liam and Ewan, quickly to come and I'm going to come stand here on your left to stand here the camera. I told you this last week and I'm quickly going to do this and then I'm finished. So I, I was just... As I was praying through this and thinking about it, I thought, well, it's nice for a pastor to come on a stage on a Sunday like this to say, all of our life is worship, and everybody in the church will agree with it. But then I thought, really? Is that really what I do? Is it truly possible that everything in my life can be worshiped to the Lord? So I I thought, and I thought, what's the most menial thing that I did recently? And for me, that was washing, hanging washing. Just washing, washing, and hanging it on a line. And I thought, how can that be worship to the Lord? Is it possible that that can be worship? Or is it just something nice we say, but we don't really practically apply it and mean it? So I thought, now how can I worship the Lord by hanging up washing? So these are my two poles for my washing line. And they're going to be holding a rope. It has some washing attached to it. I'm just removing the washing. Hold there. Whiskies. Donkey. Stay now. Okay. So here's washing. No, let me not put it in front of the camera. So here's washing. Here I am. I've done the washing. Now I've got to hang this washing. 
How can I do this as worship? Now, let me tell you, there's a right way and a wrong way to hang washing. I'm very particular about this. And I'm going to do this now, and some of you are going to tell me it's not the right way, but this is the right way, I promise you. This is how the Bible says we've got to hang washing. Because if you do it this way, it makes it easy to iron and all of that. So, okay, so I'm going to hang washing. So, can you think for me for a moment, how can my hanging of my washing be worship to the Lord? Just think for yourself. Tell your neighbor if you want to. What can you do to make your hanging of washing worship? Okay, so here I am. You hang it upside down, first of all, on the corners. So perhaps this can be worship if I sing, you are the rose of Sharon. I'll stop right there. If I sing a worship song while I'm doing it, will that help it be worship? If I'm praying for somebody while I'm hanging it, because this is a great time where I don't have to engage my mind. I can be praying in tongues or I can pray for somebody. That, that, that's fantastic. That'll put a spiritual element to it. But is that the only way that this can become worship? Is if I do spiritual activity while I'm doing this? Or is it possible that just me hanging the washing in and of itself, even if I wasn't praying or singing or thinking of God or doing anything spiritual in that sense, could be worship? Can the act in and of itself be worship? Stand still. <laughs> you saw good help's hard to find. Is it possible that me just, you know, and I'm stingy, you can't have too many pigs, so you share pigs, you know, it's very important. And, and you don't hang it tight so that it doesn't stretch it, you know. So it's the one good thing I have left from my military service is I learned how to do wash, hanging washing. But is it possible that just that act can be worship? It has to be. Because tomorrow you're leading a meeting. You can't be praying in tongues and singing a song while you're leading the meeting. Unless you're in our space, then you can. It's fantastic. We'll be on a planning retreat tomorrow as senior staff, and we can sing and do everything while we, because that's our context. But uh, probably you can't. So can your, while you're sitting there in your cubicle at work, you know, open space office, you can't be playing your favorite worship song while you're busy your, doing your work. So that, that means you can't worship. No, can that act of typing be worship to the Lord? Yes. I was thinking, now how can my hanging of washing be worship? I don't know. You may come up with better answers than I can. But I thought of it like this. I thought, well, perhaps one of the things that will help is if I do this with love, it can begin to become something that presents glory to the Lord. Instead of saying, you know these stupid children... I'm sure this shirt I just washed last week and ironed it. They were just too lazy to put it in the cupboard. So they threw it on the floor. Now I have to wash it again and iron it. And you know, I'm done with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm finished with this lot. You know, the Bible says, do all things without complaining and arguing. Perhaps if I'm saying, Lord, I'm, I'm so honored that I can serve them in this way. I don't know. Perhaps that adds a component of it where it's worship. Perhaps if I do it with excellence and saying, oh, I'm not just getting this done, but I'm really trying to do it to the best of my ability. Perhaps in the context of the time that I have and everything, but I'm doing the best. Perhaps that helps. Can I tell you what's, while I was praying about this and I did this practically, I went and hung up some washing. I was praying and saying, Lord, help me engage with you in this moment. Two things the Lord spoke to me about. 
First of all, I became aware of how much water we use to wash, wash our clothes. And I realized we're taking fresh water and we're adding chemicals to it and making it gray water and we have a water shortage in our nation. And I thought, Lord, am I being a good steward of the creation that you have given us? Is there not a better way? How can I do this better? I haven't come up with a solution yet, but, you know, and I'm sure there are, but that, that was like, you know. You know what the second thought was? I don't do this all the time. I do this two, three weeks a year. I hang the washing, or we hang. They also do it. We've got Anna that lives in our house. She's our life savior. She makes everything work, and we love Anna, and she loves us, and fantastic. And she's on leave, so I have to do it. But this is what she does all the time. Part of her job is this. It's easy for me to do it and say, you know, I'm doing this as worship because it's not, you know, I've got other things that I do that I may feel is more important. But in that moment, I said, Lord, help me just in some way help Anna understand the value of what she does, that this is worship unto you also, that she would feel that her life has purpose and meaning because she does this as worship to you. Those are some of the thoughts that went through my mind in that moment. Now, I, this is me. And, I, and don't let me act all holy like I do this all the time. Uh, this was purposeful, and that's why I got it right. But the simple thought is, worship team, you guys can join me. Don't you yell at me? This is this the application that I'm trying to make. Have you ever thought about your everyday week, what you do, and how that is worship to the Lord? Have you ever woken up in the morning and say, Lord, today I'm going to present my worship to you. I don't care what my boss is like. I don't care what this company is going through. It's not going to stop me from worshiping. I'm going to, to work or I'm going to drive kids around or I'm going to be at varsity. I'm going to study. I don't care what happens. Nothing's going to stop me from worshiping you. I'm presenting my life as worship to you. And what does that mean for you? How does that look like for you? I can't tell you, but I can ask you to just pray about it. And so over this week of prayer and fasting, that's a big part of what we want to do, is we're calling you out of some of those, your regular spaces to come here to pray, not so that this is more spiritual than that, but so that this can empower and enable us all as we go out. So won't you stand with me? Please. Right now, you're going through stuff. You're going through things in your life. Perhaps you, this year is daunting. It may be that December was really hard and, and you, you feel flat. You, and you say, I didn't come to church to hear preaching about worship. I just come, you know. Can I tell you, it's, Jesus wants to meet with you in that reality of where you are right now. You don't have to put all of that aside and then come to the Lord. Come to Him. Say, Lord, this is what I've got. This is who I am. Meet with Him. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would come. We want to have the greatest worship. I want to have the greatest worship in my life. Here with my community, in other spaces with other brothers and sisters of the faith, I want to have worship. Out there in the world where perhaps it's me on my own worshiping, I want to worship you and I want to have the greatest worship.
And I thank you that every person in this room is a worshiper. And his life can be filled with worship. Come right now. And as we end this service, I pray that you'd speak to each of us. Can I ask you just to give us a moment? I don't want you to leave right now. We're going to sing a song, and I want you to take this moment in the song and to say, Lord, how can I worship you? In my everyday walking, eating, drinking, sleeping, doing life, how can I worship you? Perhaps you can say, Lord, tomorrow morning at 11.14, help me. What, think of what you'll be doing at that time and say, how do I worship you in that moment? Lord, I, I pray that, that we would have a revelation, each of us, of you. That's not just in these contexts. But I pray, Lord, that we will see you in our office in our vehicle, in our classroom, in our store, in our gym, wherever you, we go, we will see you. We'll have a revelation of who you are in that space and that we would respond to you. Let us see you, Lord. Let us see you. Let us behold you. And I thank you for that, Lord, that it's possible by the mercies of your Spirit because every one of us, as we leave here, you go with us by your Spirit. And every place we go, you will never leave us nor forsake us. It will be our great honor to pray for you this morning. If you, if you want to come forward and ask somebody to pray. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. If you've never said, Lord, forgive me my sins and and, and, and cleanse me and, and make me come close to you and I want to give you my life then come and tell the person that, that you are going to be praying with to say to them I want to give my life to Jesus then they'll know how to help you with that it's important that you say those words to them I want to give my life to Jesus but if you want to come forward for any other prayer we want to pray with you and trust God encourage you, strengthen you it's been so wonderful to hear so many testimonies of what God doing in people's lives May the Lord bless you. Remember, if you came this morning and you are new, we'd love to share a special cup of coffee with you. So please go behind these screens on my right. The lights will go on just now. And then go and meet our team there. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. And may He use you in very powerful ways. In Jesus' name. Amen.